0: So engaging students in learning. Increasing accountability using the Danielson Framework 3C. So I was uh, requested to make sure that everything is aligned with the Danielson Framework, particularly with uh, 3C. So everything is uh, revolves around this. And this is uh, in partnership with the Walloway, uh Foundation. So the agenda for today We're going to discuss active versus passive learning. So what are the dynamics of each? Is one better than the other? We're going to then define engagement and talk about what happens, what are the potential cases that happen when engagement is not a part of a teacher's uh, daily instruction. We're going to talk about um, the Danielson framework in general uh, briefly, and then go into very specifically what what 3C uh, entails. Uh, break down the key components of 3C. Talk about quality assurance checks. So, after you attempt to make your classes more engaging, how do you gauge whether or not you are successful or not? What are the so what, what sort of what sort of checks are there for you to turn to to see whether or not you are achieving that objective? And then finally, questions and references. So the beginning uh, session. Well, at the beginning of the session, I want to um, have a brief discussion about this issue of active versus passive learning and then also engagement itself. So here are some questions to prompt uh, to get us thinking first thing in the morning. Please define active versus passive learning and explain if one is more important than the other. What is engagement and are there negative consequences to the lack of student engagement in a classroom? If so, what are they? So if you can take you know, a few seconds to, to go through these questions, think about them, and then let's have a discussion. Define active versus passive learning. Is one more important than the other? And then engagement, what is it? And is, are there negative consequences if, it, if there is a lack of it in the classroom?
1: Okay, this is Tejmina. And I personally feel that they're both important. The children learn in both ways. Um, if so, what? So that, that's my opinion, okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are there negative consequences to lack of student engagement? Uh, definitely there are negative consequences to students' engagement. If we, if we don't involve them in their learning process, you know, then they're basically not going to learn. So that, you know, that is my opinion.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. Anyone to add to that? Anyone Anyone can, uh, for instance, give us, um, a, a, would like to define what active learning is versus passive, and also maybe give us an idea of, of, of how that, how the, what negative consequence, how that would translate in the classroom?
2: Can I talk? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I think active learning is extremely important because you feel that the child is processing the information that you're teaching him, so he's thinking about them, and that's for you as a teacher, help you understand what, I mean, how did they understand for that lesson, and at the same time, it helps you also if they um, uh, like to add more information, and sometimes maybe you have actually to change your a way of teaching or instruction. So in a way that they can understand you better from their questions, you can understand better, but if they're passive learning, they're not engaged and you don't know what they are learning actually uh, and how they are um, under, how you cannot um, evaluate their understanding of your lesson. Mm
0: -hmm. Excellent. Anyone else?
2: Can I add? I believe active
3: learning is when students are involved in the uh, instruction pr- process. Uh, passive learning is when students receive information, they keep receiving information, new information for the teacher without interacting with her. So active learning helps teacher to uh, improve the structural process the instructional process so uh, sometimes when students are active when they are involved in the instructional process they can ask questions or they can add information that help the teacher go more advanced so she can build upon their knowledge Um, but um, passive learning in passive learning the teacher will only say what she wants to say not what students need
4: So Brother Suleiman. Yes. uh, One of the examples of active learning uh, could be like role playing or you know providing (laughs) studies, giving them ample amount of time so that they can grasp the knowledge out of it and you know go for the answer. So just you know, that's the time when a teacher can scaffold the students, I guess. Excellent.
0: <clears throat> uh,
1: Brother, Brother Salman, So I'm, a, a, I mean, one, the way I understand passive learning is that there are some students who might not be verbal. You know, I mean, they might be quiet by nature, okay. but yet they're absorbing the information. Now we as teachers can assess our students in many ways, not just their participation in class. Okay. You know, they are tests, they are quizzes. Um, so I, I mean, because my answer was that they're both important yeah. and it's based on the children's personalities, you know, mm. uh, but yes, we as teachers have to be active, but the right. students learning process, they're all different, so I don't, let me know if I'm wrong. It just,
0: my, it's, it's, okay, which not, I know
1: I, I will learn.
0: <laughs> there's nothing right or wrong here. This is a discussion. Mm-hmm. We all have mm-hmm. different experiences, you know, different opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to just collect them and, you know, sort of see, you know, if we can come to a uh, collective understanding about, you know, these issues. Um, yes, does anyone else? Yes,
3: Yeah, I want to. Oh, sorry. For the laptop, your husband or your son?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Or a virus is looking for something. Maybe okay, I
6: will
3: see one red light over here also
6: uh, that was turned on, not this one over here. Like, this, this, oh, 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 yeah. uh, teacher, uh, and that scared me that okay, why the red light is
0: on. Astaghfirullah. I believe some teacher
6: is on mute. Uh,
3: can <laughs> you please? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. assalamu alaikum. I want to add, like. For me like it might not fit the definition of active or passive learning but what i think is like in especially in the present scenario what now the teaching has totally changed especially with this how we have to engage the learner how they have been exposed to media it's uh, technology so i will give you an example like yes when a teacher is teaching a new concept it's it's passive learning they are getting into it there's so different varied level of kids in the classroom so this example stood out to me so much like we read the book Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and the kids were asked to do a project. So they have to put the letters, uh, uh, the alphabet letters, and I said, just pick up five letters and put it up. So most of the kids will just do what they, they, they are told to do. Then one of the students was taking too long and then I said, what are you doing? And then I noticed he was trying to pick up the letters of the name of his name. so, so I said, how many letters are there in your name? Six. Okay. How many? I said five. So he went back, he took five and he went back. Then I saw another student, he was putting the alphabet stickers on the two sides of the trunk and he was looking at it and he has three on one side and two on one side. And, and he could not express, I'm a kindergarten teacher. So I said, what, 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 what is your question? He said, you know, I want to, his, he didn't have that vocabulary. And then he said, I said, you want to make it same? Uh, Yeah, I want to have, uh, uh, okay, what's the math math word, equal. So for me, active and learning is when a concept has been taught and the kids, whatever level they are able to do, they're able to process it and use it in the what they are doing. So for me, that is active learning in the classroom.
0: Excellent, excellent. Thank you. And that's very uh, vivid and comprehensive example um, that shows you know different ways that students approach different activities. And we're gonna get to this in a little bit. Anyone want to add anything else? Particularly with uh, engagement, if students aren't engaged, what does that lead to?
7: Can I talk? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so. Uh, For me, active learning uh, helps to open up with more discussion so that teacher can see that, you know, each student level of uh, understanding on the topic. Um, Passive learning, some students need time to understand that is like teacher is teaching and I uh, ask them to read the material. It gives time for them to process So that will help, you know, further discussion with the passive uh, learners. So I feel both is very important. Sometimes some students will uh, start with, you know, new concept for teacher to, you know, uh, more elaborate on. And the passive learners will help in processing. And maybe they will, you know, uh, first learn and then open up with um, other questions for um, later.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Anyone else, then we'll move on.
6: Um, I think I can add something else. Um, I think with the, with the engagement or with the students engagement in classroom, yeah. Yeah. this is well built a relationship between us as a teachers and as a students. And having this relationship between, you know, students and teachers will have a strong relationship between even families. Because when we have this, you know, relationship between them and a strong relationship between the students, this is will affect even, you know, how is you know our relationship with their families too. Sure, sure,
0: sure, sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: Can I add something too?
0: Yes. And then I I, I, should be the last one. I have to move on. So go ahead.
2: So from my observation, I have found that students, some students I have, when they are um, they're too shy to actually to engage in the classroom and takes them a little bit longer to um, you know to be part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. But when they're actually like working um, independently. They're actually like
0: it's not that they don't understand. They're actually doing very well. Excellent, excellent. So it's it's a sort of modification of the activity itself, or how you, um, yeah, how you're trying to present the information, or um, how you are requesting the student to participate. You know that may have a drastic difference in, you know, how much the student engages and and, and how little. Excellent. All right. So we have had uh, a tremendous number of uh, very, um, very thoughtful uh, definitions. Now let's get to maybe some textbook definitions and see uh, how they align with our discussion uh, just now. So active versus passive learning. Passive learning has historically been the way that classrooms has functioned. What is a passive Classroom look like the teacher just simply lectures. Historically, knowledge was seen as just a transmission, right? So the teacher has the knowledge, the students sit and absorb, like an empty receptacle, right? So, empty garbage can, you as the teacher are just filling this garbage can with information, right? So, uh, students listen, and learning was seen pretty much just as transmission. In this sort of uh, setup, Right, this dynamic where it's mostly teacher centered and students really don't have much involvement or don't have much investment in the lesson, minimal skills are developed really beyond memorization and regurgitation, right? So in this context, what's important is that the student memorizes everything that they heard and then is able to reproduce that on an exam or an assessment, right? Now we're going to talk a little bit later uh, in just just a few moments about which one is better, Um, but this is a form of learning that remains with us until today. But at some point in recent history, research revealed that promoting active learning, which was the opposite of passive learning, has tremendous benefits. When you activate active learning, in the class and the student has taken ownership of their learning process, what it allows is it allows for understanding on a much deeper level for the students. When you are just memorizing things, regurgitating things, the amount of thinking involved is a bit limited. But when you are analyzing things, when you are um, asking questions about questioning things, It promotes higher order thinking, and again, this is for any level, right? Um, For instance, with the example uh, that I forget who just mentioned it, with the with the child being asked to uh, pick out a word, but then they said, "Oh, well, I want to know what my you know, I want to see what letters you know, do they have the letters of my name, right?" So that's thinking be outside the box, right? That is okay. I'm here to learn about letters, but beyond just what I was asked to do. Maybe I can learn about my own self and how do how do I how am I involved in this learning process, right? When you have active learning, it forces students to analyze. It forces them to challenge. Uh, this would be, like I guess, at higher levels. It encourages debate and discussion. Again, probably maybe from fourth or fifth grade when students have, um, you know, uh, uh, stronger communication skills. And so the dying question is: Is one better than the other? And I've heard. Uh, I've heard uh, some in favor of active learning over passive. I've heard some. I haven't heard anyone say passive learning is the only way, so that's good. Um, and I've said that some there's a combination of both. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't know if there's one right answer, but in my opinion, there there will be an inevitable amount of both. Um, you can't escape situations where you do have to just transmit knowledge mm-hmm. to students, um, for instance, facts or um, concepts or things like that. So there is, a, there is an element of that that will always be a part of teaching and learning. But I say that with a caveat, promoting active learning is encouraged as opposed to just promoting only passive learning. So if a classroom remains as it was done before where the teacher is just lecturing and all it is is just transmitting information and have students memorize facts and things like that, then that really, especially in this day and age, that really um, will not be uh, helpful for the students. It will be detrimental to their growth. Um, And as active learning promotes critical thinking skills, and that is so critical and so important in today's, you know, uh, uh, fast-paced changing world, it is very important that students that the classroom environment is facilitated so that they can take ownership of their learning and learn actively. Um, does anyone have any, uh, feel free to make any comments or questions before we move on or as you know, all, all throughout. Um, but yeah, so that was a very good, uh, that was very good discussion on active versus passive learner and this is sort of the uh, textbook, the textbook um, definition. Now, when it comes to engagement, so we talked about engagement And it wasn't as much discussion with engagement as it was active and passive learning but engagement will actually be the focal point of this workshop because active learning is from the student's perspective it's not you that's doing active learning right you might be doing active teaching um, but it's the student's perspective where they're doing active learning but engagement concerns you right as instructors engagement concerns you How well do you engage the students? Ultimately, if you're engaging the students well, you're preparing the class, making an engaging engaging environment. Students themselves are active learners, then there's a perfect harmony between the two. So we need to understand what engagement is, and then the the, the whole rest of the uh, workshop, we'll talk about how does it look in the class? How does it play out? Engagement is not synonymous with compliant busy work, right? So what does that mean? Um, does anyone have an idea? Can someone tell me what they think this means? So how, how, how is engagement not the same as keeping students busy? Maybe.
1: Giving them worksheets and just telling them to do those worksheets, um, not asking enough questions. Um, so like my training is more inquiry-based I have been a English as a second language teacher, mm-hmm. so that it really was something important to us that we could keep the children, you know, thinking and participating. So not just giving them worksheets and have them do those. Exactly. exactly. Maybe
2: it is not about like the quantity, how much you give them rather than the quality.
0: Right, exactly, Yes. exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, 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 the principal or an administrator might walk by the class and, and, and observe and say, oh, look, the students are busy. They may have things in front of them. They may be busy, but they may, may may not be engaged, right? So there is a difference. They might be busy doing something, but in being engaged in the work is something different. So we can't make the uh, connection that giving students something to do is the same thing as engaging them, right? um engagement is essential to the success of a class the more you engage the students the better uh, things will will be the more re- uh, information they will retain right so it's essential to the the, 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 the um, easier will be to achieve the objectives of the class and of the course so it's essential to the success of a class engagement as it should be is is based on creating engaging activities right so How you create an engaging uh, classroom environment, we're gonna talk about this in in, in much greater detail, but it really revolves around the activities. The activities that you promote in class, the materials that you select, all of these things uh, create and contribute to an an engaging uh, environment. Also structure and pacing are very critical. How you structure a lesson, right? Um, will determine how effective the engagement will be. How you pace the lesson will also be uh, a very important in how uh, engaged the class will be. And we'll talk about all these things in much greater detail. What happens when there is a lack of engagement? So I asked this question and a few people took a stab at it, um, but here are some things that tend to happen when there is a lack of engagement, I'm sure once you see these things, you will say to yourself, "Oh yes, you know, you might have observed this, uh, you know, at some point in your uh, teaching career." There are generally academic issues, and then there are behavioral issues, right? So if a student is not engaged in the class, and perhaps you're not aware of it, and we're going to talk about, you know, how do you um, how do you monitor? the engagement of the class over time, right? So you want to you want to implement an engage, you know, engagement in the class. And how do you monitor that so that you can catch these things before they appear? But perhaps maybe a teacher is not aware that a student isn't engaged. How does that manifest itself? Well, from an academic standpoint, you see that students are unpre- under underprepared for assessments. They score really low on assessments and you and and the student has been in class all the time. They don't have any absence. So how does that work, right? They don't absorb the knowledge. They fail to meet critical learning skills and or objectives, okay? And a lot of this is not determined until you get to assessment points, right? So in the middle of the uh, term, at the end of the term, at the end of the year, things like this. Beyond academic issues, there's also behavioral issues. And especially with younger students, right? We know that younger students have a very short attention span Right, so if they're not engaged, immediately their minds are so busy, they're going to look to do something else, right? Um, That tends to make students disruptive in class. Um, They may ultimately, if if there's a pattern of uh, disengagement from learning, and that pattern, I mean, meaning that it goes from year to year to year, they might develop a disinterest in learning altogether because they just don't see they don't see any point of it. There's no, there's no, there's no benefit that they derive. There's no fun that they get from it. Um, and then you also have discipline issues. It might lead to discipline issues. You know, students acting out or you know harassing other teach uh, other students, things like this. So there are, you know, some issues, some moderate, some serious that may result from the lack of engagement in class. So the task of being uh, an engaging teacher is is actually quite important and quite, you know, a heavy responsibility. Uh, would anyone like, like to make any comments about that before we move on?
6: Yeah, I have, um, I have one comment actually. I think I missed one point from your talk when you said about uh, active learning, you know, and uh, active uh, uh, engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think with active learning, it will be an active engagement. I mean, as you said, I mean, one of the things was to make, you know, strong active engagement when the teacher, you know, for example, um, she has her own, you know, lesson plans. And then, you know, I think teachers, when they are changing, you know, the the lesson plans with somehow how they can teach the kids, you know, like sometimes, okay, they have a project related to whatever topic, you know, this is will make the class will be more active, you know, uh, especially now after the kids, they are coming back from, you know, sitting at home from, you know, COVID you know, like during the pandemic time and because they are coming, I feel now they are not really more social, especially this year, you know, I mean, this year we are, I mean, one of the teachers is really, you know, struggling, you know, like how they can, how can I make the kids more to be engaged? And especially, you know, with the rules, you know, we have and we need, we cannot have the kids close to each other, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and all of this, I think it's affecting, you know, um, students' engagement in classroom. Or, you know, I mean, and the kids, they always need something new. This is what I want to say. And the kids is always, they don't want to see the teacher who's standing in front of them and just give them a lecture. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just how how to make this engagement. This is a different way, different, you know, way of teaching, different activities. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, you know, um, I'm sharing with you, with all of you, my thoughts, you know.
0: Yep. Excellent, excellent, uh, excellent. um, Yeah, excellent point, especially about COVID. Um, Um, uh, Especially about COVID. Yes, COVID can definitely offer some challenges to, um, particularly with group work, which we'll come we'll 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 come to uh, in a little bit. Um, But you know, again, we have to. You know, you have to manage. um, You have to manage change and. At the end of the day, if you have the principles of engagement, it doesn't really matter what context you're in, you'll be able to adapt. Um, And one thing I want to mention is that we should see that there is a clear difference between active learning on the part of the student and engagement on the part of the teacher. So, for instance, you might have a student who is an active learner. He, He or she is very interested. They want to ask questions. They challenge. They're very... Uh, enthusiastic but for instance let's say the teacher gives them a writing assignment and the writing assignment is a it's a pre-prepared again it might be different from level to level um, but I'll give you an example at a at a a high level let's say sixth seventh grade and they give them a pre-prepared writing paragraph that just has a few words missing from it right and then they ask the student to substitute or fill in the blanks with whatever words they know. That's not, and they give the same script to everybody in the class, right? Students might be enthusiastic to write, but that task that the teacher prepared, is not really going to stimulate really anything from the students. It, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a pre-prepared paragraph that everyone has, and there's only a few line a few words missing, right? So there's not really too much that's going to be going on as opposed to A teacher giving a student a writing topic or asking them to come up with topics and say okay i'd like you to write a paragraph on any topic of your choice right now the student is excited you know they're coming up with ideas they're writing something from scratch maybe sharing it with their friends right so that is an example of how maybe a student might come to the class as an active learner. But the teacher—it's up to the teacher to facilitate that and make sure that the activities and you know uh, assessments and assignments are aligned with you know uh, an engaging class. So I just want to make that point as well. Um, hopefully, we all have a, a, a better understanding, or clear understanding, or a more comprehensive understanding of the difference between active learning versus passive, and then also what engagement is and what it isn't, and what could be some of the potential. Uh, problems and issues that you might run into if there is not uh, engagement in the class. Um, good, so we're going to move on. Uh, this will also be a group discussion. And then um, for the following um, questions that I have prepared, I will make them uh, breakout rooms. But I'm, with this question, the reason why it's a group one is because I'm not really sure what familiarity, what familiarity you all have with the Danielson framework uh, in general, and then also with 3C. Um, so I'd like to just get a general idea um, from you all. So in what specific ways, if we can ask for this question, in what specific ways does the Daniel, Danielson Framework 3C help enhance your teaching? Do you apply it thoroughly? And you can be uh, try to be as honest as possible. And if not, which areas could you improve in? so how does how do you implement if you implement um 3c of Daniel of Danielson framework and then um how does that enhance your teaching and if we're not if we're not uh, familiar with it then that's 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 fine too because we're here to learn about it what do we think is everyone everyone is familiar with it with uh is everyone familiar with this Danielson framework the uh,
1: 3c i'm familiar with Danielson framework i don't know if specifically 3c but you know i've in the past right uh had professional developments on it
0: right okay is that so
2: mostly?
0: okay assalamu
2: alaikum brothers
6: suleiman Um, So the Danielson Framework is what we have been using for the last three years. And every year we're building our knowledge and understanding of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're being very, we're, um, you know, some of our teachers are in a program where they're getting coaching and mentoring on the, you know, on specific elements that they've chosen from the Danielson Framework. So what we're trying to do is consistently build on our understanding as the school of the Danielson framework, because that is the evaluation tool that we are using.
0: Perfect, beautiful, excellent. So, yeah. So we're 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 building our understanding of the framework, um, and obviously that's that's the purpose of this workshop. Um, so yeah. So that's great. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the Danison framework in general, and then I will go specifically into uh, 3C. So the Danison framework was developed to, again, to make sure that students' learning is really optimized in the classroom so that uh, the the maximum amount of learning is done um, from the teacher's part, right? It comprises four main domains where you talk about planning and preparation, facilitating the classroom environment, uh, three, which is instruction, and then professional responsibilities. Under each, there's a subset of of different, you know, things that need to be achieved or different categories. Um, So again, we don't have time to go through all of that. I'm not gonna mention that you can, I have left a few resources at the end of the presentation for you to uh, follow up, Um, but we will focus on three, which is instruction, and then particularly 3C, I think, it's, I think it's A through E, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so A, B, C, D and E, uh, we will focus on 3C, all right? So 3C is about engaging students. So 3C is about engaging students and engaging students from what core areas or what core competencies? Number one, instructional materials and resources, Number two, activities and assignments. Number three, structure and pacing. And number four, grouping of students. So what we're going to do is before, uh, again, some of us might be familiar with this, uh, and some of us might not be, but the, um, the, the areas themselves, we should all be familiar with. So everyone should know what instructional materials and resources are, activities, and assignments, pacing, grouping. So what we're going to do is we're going to discuss each one um in depth before i go to sort of the textbook uh definition of them and then also um it's very important for me to not just present the information without explaining how you can implement it so i've broken each one into what it is so sort of a a loose definition or you know, multi-faceted uh, you know, multi, uh, definition. And then also how would this look like or how does it play out in the classroom? So that's gonna be the format for uh, the rest of the workshop. We will look at each one in detail. We'll discuss, I have some questions prepared first to discuss them, and then we'll come back and we'll um, examine each one in detail, uh, looking at what it is and how to implement it. And then finally we'll leave off with, um, Discussing how do you monitor engagement. Once you have these things in place, how do you monitor engagement in your classroom to ensure that you are, uh, you know, creating an engaged environment? So the question is, how do instructional materials and resources contribute to an engaging student environment? So how does the what, what what is it about the instructional tools, the instructional resources that you use in the class? How does that contribute to an engaging? student environment. So I will break you up into, a, I believe, we um, yeah, have five rooms, which will be about three to four people. And then we'll come back uh, and discuss in a little bit. All right? Does anyone have any questions? OK, so in just a little bit, just a few can seconds. Can you please repeat
8: your question?
0: Uh, the you mean the question on the screen? Uh,
8: there's no screen. I can see screen.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oops. yeah so this yeah this question is so how do instructional materials and resources contribute to creating uh an engaging student environment so this is the question that you will be discussing in your uh, breakout rooms and i will um i will be navigating from uh room to room just you know um chiming in and seeing what we're talking about but yeah How do instructional materials and resources contribute to an engaging student environment? So this is the first aspect of 3C that we're going to try to discuss. All right, any other questions? All right, so I will create it now. And then once, uh, we'll talk for a few minutes and then I will uh, end the breakout rooms and bring everybody back. All right, so I'm gonna create it now. And so um, before we actually move on to what I have uh, prepared, I would like sort of one or two um, um, one or two people to share you know, their thoughts on instructional materials. I, I really would like Arzu uh, to give uh, an example um, of what was done in their class, um, because it's very helpful.
9: Okay, bismillah assalamu alaikum everybody. So um, for Read Across America Day, um, what um, we did in our class was, we did a collaborative writing um, story. And uh, the way it focused on so how it worked was uh, it was part of a vocabulary packet that I had downloaded like the beginning of the year and um, went back to and I I really loved this idea I I said okay I'll give it a shot so we do worldly wise words so I put up um, I think uh, less than eleven words up on the on on the board and the students had to choose, had to use one of the words in each of the paragraphs that they uh, were gonna write. So um, they were given uh, about, the beginning I gave them about 12 minutes to write. And um, so they they wrote their paragraph, I gave them a two minute warning. So I had a, an alarm and for them to wrap up their ideas. And then when they were done and they, they were supposed to circle the word that, that they used. And then they had to pass their story to the person in front of them. And we had like a sort of S shape going around in the class. And this was probably one of the best things I've ever done. I think in class, the students were so engaged and so excited to get the next person's story to continue. And um, and it from the beginning to the end, it was just that excitement was at at the high. And at the end, when they read the stories, it was even more fun. So um, it was um, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. it was it was great, Alhamdulillah.
0: And so, so you, that, you, you were saying that instructional materials, then you know, it, it's critical to the type of um, you know, type of class that you can create with the type of materials and resources that you have available?
9: Yeah, I think it's, it's a, a looking for, it takes time. Um, and I think um, you're, when you're, even with, we have a lot of resources already, uh, thinking about how, you know, we can put the onus on the students um, to allow their creativity to shine. I think that's the key, right? Giving them the choices um, and having that open uh, platform, but there is some structure and there's they, they've got to follow certain guidelines. Nope. That's nope. the key. That's the key. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Mr. Arzul?
4: Yes. Can I just add something? Sure. <laughs> so, uh, Alhamdulillah, it, uh, it feels really great. Like when I have found out, like we are walking in the same path. So, you are using vocabulary, academic vocabulary, you know, get your students excited, Alhamdulillah, uh, to create the same learning environment in our classroom. I tell them instead of using academic vocabulary, I tell them, why don't we use the fancy vocabulary? So, for that particular week, uh, the vocabulary that we learn, we try to encourage our students so that they can uh, use those vocabulary in their writing, um, you know, assessment uh, or in, in their writing paragraphs or uh, formative assessment thing. So yeah, I, I think that Alhamdulillah uh, there's, uh, there's one great way that we can, you know, uh, help our students to get engaged in our classroom.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay. I can take time for one more and then we'll have to move on because we're running short on time. Someone else wanted to participate, wanted to contribute?
7: Can I, um, can I go ahead? Yep, of
0: course.
7: Okay. So um, um, this week we were learning about um, volcanoes uh, in my class. So um, I gave my students um, some of the um, latitude and longitudes of active volcanoes around the world. And I asked them to um, enter on Google um, Earth so that they can mark and once they mark and pin them by creating a project name, so then they should uh, explore where it is and uh, for example, in which continent it is and um, what, uh, what is the landmark of this. Then when they go to that landmark, then they click, then they found out, for example, I'm giving uh, Washington, um, oh, St. Helens, right? then I asked them, oh, okay, go uh, find out what St. Helens, when it's last erupted? And what kind of, you know, volcano is this, right? So Mm -hmm. I was giving him all these materials for them. So they were exploring and in return, they were, you know, uh, talking to each other, oh, look at this, you know, this is what happened. And this is, it looks like this. And so we, and I was going around and They were all discussing and they were showing me, Sister, see, you know, this erupted at this time. And there were so many ashes and someone was talking about Hawaii. So uh, this is how, you know, they were engaged uh, with some instructional materials, what I gave and the resources I provide. And they were being actively learning about
0: uh, different volcanoes around the world. That's an amazing example. So for instance, in that example, you could have, you know, a teacher could have simply, you gave them a, a black and white photocopy, right, of the volcanoes and said, this is what it looks like, right? But by utilizing the internet and Google Earth and things like that, you know, um, already sort of predetermined that you want to, you want the students to be engaged beyond just looking at, uh, you know, a stagnant um, photocopy of it, you know, that's really, that's really, that's really uh, amazing. That's what it takes. Uh, we have to move on. If you have anything pressing that you'd like to say, you can save it to the end. We have, uh, you know, it's time for questions or comments. Um, so instructional materials and resources, what they, or what is it that we need to concern ourselves with, with this aspect of, uh, three C of the Danison framework. There are a variety of instructional materials available. Um, I'm sure that you have a resource, uh, you know, center or area, uh, it could be digital. It could be, um, you know, it could be manual, it could be, you know, physical, um, you can contact your administrator in the event that there aren't these sort of um, materials available, or if you're looking for more uh, resources, you can share them amongst yourselves. Uh, one thing that I did when I was um, when I was the supervisor of a, a writing program um, and a course coordinator, I made sure that there was always a materials bank uh, that was online and it was digital so that all teachers can just upload you know, it was sort of there was a vetting process, so not you know, you know, the, it, they had to be quality materials, but there's a, a central location for everybody to be able to, you know, see what everybody else is doing and be able to use these activities. So, for instance, we mentioned now, you know, two or three or four activities in this workshop that I'm not sure if everybody else knew that these people were doing these things. And you say, Oh, that's an amazing idea. Um, and so, if you have a central location for that, it just makes things. Um, you know a lot a a lot more easy a lot easier and it gives you access to you know different ways of doing things Um, you can vary the types of instruction materials and resources so again here's the example of just having your sort of old-fashioned stagnant photocopy of uh, a volcano as opposed to uh, looking at it 3d version on google earth some you know teacher might even take a step further and bring in an actual model sample model and have the students you know, play with it you know um, so there's different you know there's different ways of delivering um, the material uh, there's different technologies that you can use um, you can also use I'm a, I'm a big uh, proponent of using student work as much as possible uh, so when you have especially when you have exceptional student work or you have student work that can serve as models what it does is it provides motivation right it provides, especially at younger ages students you know the kids love that they love that. They've worked hard and their work is in front of everybody to see and things like that. So, um, you know, the, the, the way you deliver the materials, you know, perhaps, sure, there might be there might be some short story or some paragraph or some sentence or some color or whatever in the book, but you know, you might, you know, replace that with, with a student sample to make it again uh, feel like the students have ownership over what's going on. Um, and then also make sure that the Instructional materials are appropriate, right, to the age and level. You don't want to you don't want to have something that's too difficult, you know, where the students really can't engage, even if they wanted to. How does it look? Well, they should be learner centered as much as possible. Uh, the materials should be designed so that they uh, ask the the students ask or forced to ask probing questions beyond just sort of yes no, or regurgitation of facts, right? Um, the idea of Engagement is to promote deeper thinking. Um, we're not just interested in sort of you know yes no answers and and just spitting back out you know facts about things. Um, these materials should encourage group work as much as possible. We're gonna have a whole session about that in probably about twenty minutes about the importance of group work and getting students to recognize that the teacher is not the only source of information in the in the class. Right there are other there are multiple sources of information. There's students in the class that also know things right and the teacher is not always available in the class so they need to get in the habit of using whatever resources they are available to help them learn. Learning should be a continuous process not that just goes directly through the teacher and then also someone spoke about this uh, early on about um, you know students might be reticent or very shy to speak in big groups you know group when they're in smaller groups sometimes they're more activated uh, to participate because it's not it's not as threatening right? Um, yeah, and as I said, you can incorporate uh, learner samples whenever possible. So excellent discussions. These are the things that you should keep in mind in order to um, engage your students with um, the instructional materials and resources. Um, I'm going to move on if no one has anything uh, uh, pressing they like to say. And the next the next one we will um, we will uh, talk about uh, together. Uh, And then the last two will be in breakout uh, rooms. So this one, how do you create activities and and assignments? So this is different, this is different. So you have the resources available, right? But then in the actual class, so let's talk about activities themselves or assignments themselves. How how do you create activities or assignments? What are the sort of things that you have to think about when creating an activity or an assignment that contributes to an engaging student environment? What do we think? So this is now a a, a little bit more specific than just general materials and resources. When you have activities and classes, how do you ensure that this activity is engaging or not? How do you ensure that this assignment is engaging or not? What sorts of things do you need to think about?
4: So, Brother Suleiman, can I add something? Yep, of course. Okay, so um, in this particular question, what we usually do, I try to put Put the students in a small group session, where like um, I can see that they're having, they can have the mixed grouping abilities, right? Like while while like putting like two weak students uh, with like three strong students, so that mm-hmm. you know they can collaborate and discuss, and then you know the weak student can you know learn uh, more information. From the you know uh, from the students who who are very strong, so that's how I try to create um, activity. This is one of the activities, and uh, some other activities could be like you know engaging students in differentiated learning session, um, like
1: where
4: where they can uh, use <laughs> graphs, charts, using color code, you know. Um, Inviting students um, uh, so that uh, in the screen so that they can you know show their work um, uh, examples and you know um, answer the questions um, uh, to their friends uh, to their students. Uh, that's what I usually um, I try to do in our classroom.
0: Actually,
4: can I give a specific uh, answer for this
8: question? Sure. Sure. So for example, my goal is uh, uh, to make sure that students are memorizing many vocabulary, uh, meaning from the Quran, Mm -hmm. meaning the translation. So uh, from my experience, I found that repeating uh, and uh, practicing the word is not enough. So I created the worksheets for them. First sheet is, uh, first I give them the, uh, uh, the word from the Quran, and then it's a translation. The first question, Translate to English, and there are uh, twelve uh, words each week. The other question: translate to Arabic, then match between the word and its meaning, and then true or false. So, and they found that the students are uh, really like to work with these uh, worksheets because it's simple and it do not need a lot of uh, effort or writing and uh, uh, i feel their engagement and that uh, after they done from it they memorize all the uh, vocabulary each week and uh, create a kahoot game after that it's not uh, a- each week i'm not a- 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 able to do this uh, each week but right. most of the uh, weeks i, uh, I uh, <coughs> They have, uh, they uh, they play Kahoot with the same words, uh, same uh, words that they are learning. And in this way, they were able to, uh, they love it. And uh, uh, when we uh, review it after weeks, I found uh, that they are memorizing it and uh, they are happy with that too. Alhamdulillah.
0: Excellent, excellent. So it's not just, it's not just, You know, sort of learning the words, but learning the words to a purpose. You know, with, with playing cahoots. You know, it's ultimately the the you know the words will be uh, manipulated in you know a fun and engaging way. So that's, that's uh,
8: and it. they are memorizing the meaning of the uh, uh, meaning of the ayat that they, that they are memorizing it.
0: So,
8: so it's related uh, to what uh, they are learning in okay.
5: the same time.
0: Excellent, excellent. It's not a random
8: words.
5: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'd like to add to that like, uh, even in my classroom, we are using games a lot in our learning process. Like I'm teaching math to middle school. And uh, recently we were learning about how to calculate the area of a triangle using base and the height. And the important aspect was that they should be able to identify the base and the height. So I told them like, I'll give, make the first triangle, divide the class into two groups. And then I'll call one student from the group and they will identify where the base is, where the height is and calculate the area. Mm-hmm. Then that student will make another triangle and call another student for other uh, group and that student will come and do it. And that way every kid got a chance to come on the board do the problem earn a point for their team. And at the same time, they were able to figure out like what my main purpose was that they should be able to identify the base. They should be aden- uh, able to identify the height and games do help um, because they are engaged in the process. And at the same time, they are excited. Um,
0: yeah, excellent,
2: excellent. Can I ask some uh, add something or ask?
0: Yep.
2: yep. Uh, I do believe also, honestly, I do that, and I know activities versus you know the uh, worksheets that we give. Mm-hmm. I believe that they both go together. This is my way, and mm-hmm. I like them especially for lower grades or elementary. You need first to make sure or kind of get. Uh, the feeling how they understand the lesson so i give them a worksheet maybe it is short but i check it with each and every one of them mm. because i need to evaluate also and know what did they understand like master the foundations first then they build on it in activity so mm. i'd like to start with a worksheet then i would design an activity ad for afterwards which would promote you know like higher level things. In but i have to make sure first that they understand the basics or the foundations because students have also different styles of learning. Some of them, they might learn in a group, but sometimes they don't, they're either, we can say shy or they don't participate or you just like to rework alone. Yep. So we need to meet different needs of students by uh, having more than one style.
0: Yeah, yep. Yep.
5: I, I would like to
2: add to that. Um, uh, this actually, this was a
5: review activity and we did the thing and then i wanted to review if they actually got the concept and we played the game as a review so it helps if you do the activity as a review or if their curriculum is already providing a game that has to be like played after reading the instructions like we had also a game like four in a row where they were asked they were given extra uh, instructions how to like estimate the angle and then they were asked to play the game pair by pair and we made a tournament out of it and eventually by the end of the lesson kids were so good at estimating the angles that it really helped me solve the problems with them at the end of the like that particular activity so it does help sometimes but i agree that we need to like give them instructions also sometimes uh and not just like the activity only
0: Yep. 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 I mean, I th- and then we'll have, we have to move on. Uh, I think that we all appreciate, um, you know, that there are th- the main goal, right, is active learning and engagement, but how you get there, you know, that is your domain as, as, as the teacher, right? So you have the flexibility, um, you know, every class is, is different. Every learner is different. So, you know, uh, the, the seasoned teacher will be able to, You know critique all of that and assess everything and then also you know modify things accordingly so excellent excellent points let's move on so with regards to activities and assignments of the. um, Danielson uh, instruction framework of three C, which is engaged with teachers. uh, The activities and assignments should be aligned with the lesson and course objectives right? So, and I mean, that's pretty straightforward and pretty, I guess, uh, you know, common sense, but yeah, they should be aligned with the lesson, of course, objectives. They should reflect some sort of scaffolding, right? So uh, a big part of engagement is making sure that you scaffold the the activities where possible, um, going from, you know, sort of easier to more complex um or from you know sort of uh, uh either either a whole to small or small to a whole up to you
4: absolutely
0: yeah um it's up to you depending on what, you know what exact area you're you're focusing on or what the what the subject of discipline is but there should be scaffolded right and it should be clear it should be there should be clear structure and it, it should be logical um in your uh in in the creation of your activities and your assignments it shouldn't be confusing um, because again, one of the ways that or what we're trying to do is we're trying to promote active learning and student ownership of, you know, they learn it, the, the path to success should be, it should be pretty simple and pretty clear. Um, activities should not be mundane, right, they shouldn't be just, you know, really, just really boring, right. Um, they shouldn't be too long. So again, this is something appropriate to age and level. So you have to make sure that you're in tune with that. And it should not be confusing. Things sh- that goes back to the uh, aspect of being structural, logical. It should be, you know, if you're talking about one specific aspect, you shouldn't jump the gun and then talk about something that you're going to mention weeks ahead. Or, you know, review something that you did, you know, weeks before without any real relation to how does that, you know, how does that fit in with what we're doing, you know, right now on this particular assignment. So it's very important when you're structuring activities, to follow these um, to follow these guidelines. Um. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna do a breakout group. We have about forty minutes left. Yeah. So we're gonna do a, a breakout session here. How do structure and pacing contribute to an engaging environment? So structure and pacing of uh, the class, of the course, of you know, just how you run your class. How does that contribute? to an engaging environment, okay? So I will- please uh,
8: first explain f- for us uh, more about uh, the structure and basing What do you mean yes. by that first, please?
0: Yeah, so the structure of a lesson, right? The structure of a lesson, what do you, um, what activities do you put first? What activities do you put second, third? How do you begin the class? How do you end the class, right? And then also in terms of pacing, right? So. Um, you might have a curriculum, more than likely, I'm sure you have a curriculum, um, you know, you have a weekly, you might have a weekly uh, plan that you have to follow, right? What do you do when everybody, um, or this, this significant amount of students that really don't understand a concept? Do you just go through it to make sure that you stay up to date on the, uh, the, the lesson plan, even though some of the students don't understand? Are you flexible? What do you do? do? So structure is really the structure of a particular class and pacing is more with regards to how you're moving through the lesson um, in in the context of of a weekly lesson plan or a monthly lesson plan or something like that. All right. So we had a very fruitful discussion about structure and pacing. And so here are a few points to uh, consider. So with regards to structuring your lesson and the pacing that you carry out the lesson or lessons over the course of a week or a month, it has to be deliberate and purposeful. Deliberate meaning that there's a lot of thought involved, right? There's a lot of thought in how you structure the lesson. What activities do I begin with? It's, remember, we talked about scaffolding. How it's important to be, you know, there should be a a logical progression of the activities, right? So you have to be very deliberate. Uh, The uh, they should clearly reflect the achievement of the objectives. So how your lesson will achieve the objectives of the day should be, um, again, should be very clear, right? And how you structure, you know, which activities you include, um, the time that you spend on them, um, things like this. It allows, you you might be able to allow for learner ownership. Um, This is another way of sort of, um, you know, enhancing student engagement. But Again, this might be at higher levels. Um, i give you an example when I was, uh, you know, I'm I'm primarily a university teacher. So um, I would negotiate with the students uh, the pacing level of the, you know, semester, because sometimes we had assessments due that would fall at the time that they had other uh, important scientific or engineering assessments, do and so we sort of negotiate, you know, what you know, where we can move things uh, in the pacer. So where it's possible, you know, or maybe you maybe you discuss with the students, you know, we're going to learn this, uh, and maybe one of the students says, oh, can in addition, you know, can we maybe think about this or learn this, you know, and then you add that to the, um, you know, you add that to the uh, to the schedule or to the lesson. Uh, again, that's where where it's appropriate, but ideally that would be the epitome of you know, active learning where students uh, can learn about supplemental things or shift things based on you know things that they find to be important. Another uh, very important part about structure and pacing is that you allow every class, uh, uh, at least uh, if not every class, then at least uh, at the end of a week, um, you allow for a recap and re- reflection. So you should be able to, Uh, internalize, the students should be able to internalize what they learn for the day, right? And they should be able to verbalize that and, um, you know, it should be clear. And by doing that, when you allow time for recap and reflection, it just reinforces the learning for the students. How does that look, right? So again, you allow flexibility where flexibility is possible. As I mentioned in, um, you know, my situation, it was able to, um, yep, no worries. Um, i was able to negotiate that because we had that flexibility built into whoops we had that flexibility built into the um we had that flexibility built into the curriculum um you know you may not have as much flexibility but again where flexibility is available you know utilize it in terms of structure and pacing don't rush for the sake of finishing a lesson right so um, we obviously have the objectives that we have to meet, but if you see that there are a significant amount of students who just don't follow or the entire class would benefit from focusing on one specific aspect of the lesson a little more, you know, you should be able to uh, adjust accordingly. Um, I think it doesn't really serve anyone where you just plow through the material just for the sake of finishing a lesson when nobody or, you know, a, a significant number of students aren't on board. Allow student input where appropriate. So again, in this this issue of co-creating uh, uh, lessons um, and the pacing, you know, uh, I think at very innovative schools uh, and programs, they they allow for quite a lot of uh, input from the students, um, which is pretty interesting. Um, but again, you know, you have your own uh, objectives and you have your own uh, goals, you know, for the course, uh, for the program. So where it's allowed, you know, you, you can utilize it. Um, and everything, the the structure of the lesson and the pacing of it should be clearly laid out. Um, it should be clearly laid out in written form or in digital or or both. So, um, you know, for you personally, I'm not sure if lesson plans are uh, obligatory. I'm not trying to make any. I'm not trying to make any problems for anyone. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that you should have uh, obligatory lesson plans when, when that's not the case. But just for you, uh, for the students, it should be clear. You know, you should probably write on the board, you know, what the objectives of the class uh, are, or they at least verbalize it to them. And it should also be, you know, clear where they're, you know, where they're headed, right? So what are you know what are the things the the main concepts that we're going to learn for this week? You know, that should be clearly laid out. Just so again, from the standpoint of transparency and expectations, you know, again, stu- it's it's a way for students to take ownership of you know, what's being put on their plate. All right, so we only have a little bit of time left. Um, this is an area that I think actually would, would stimulate a lot of good um, uh, conversation. Uh, perhaps I can take maybe one or two or three comments. Uh, a, a, a bunch of you actually started to talk about them in the breakout rooms, which was great. Um, how does student group work contribute to an engaging learning environment? How does, how, does, how does group work contribute? Would anyone like to chime in?
1: I'm a big fan of uh, having the students being divided into group work and sort of having a jigsaw learning process. So for example, um, for social studies, when we finish a chapter, um, I'll break them into small groups and I'll assign certain part of the chapter to each child. Uh, uh, I mean not sort to each group I um, have them then make a poster collectively so the benefits of it is they're learning from each other um, and understanding the lesson but they're also learning how to work with each other how to be respectful of each other's opinion so before even starting I give a lot of instructions and how they're going to conduct um, and giving them that poster makes them so excited that they get to write on a big piece of paper. Um, I tell them if they want to make a picture with it they can do that Um, but like I divide the poster mostly into four parts and suppose they're learning about the different uh, American Indian tribes, you know then I'll assign on each part a separate topic that they need to write about or four or five points about that specific thing At the end, I have the class share. Each group gets to share their poster um, uh, with the whole class. So uh, that's something I've done in the past and it makes the kids very excited.
4: Yes, Sister Tahmina, I would agree with you. Um, Children love it, you know, and then, you know, they love to show their work in front of the rest of the students. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we we usually do this in our classroom. Thanks for, you know, um, sharing it.
5: Yes. Yeah, we also do that at the end of the, like second trimester, we reviewed our uh, math concepts. We have learned so far by making anchor charts, dividing the students in a group and giving them a book topic and they did that. Excellent.
0: I
2: think so also it's call? important that when you group of students to make sure that each student in the group is participating because you notice sometimes students, they really, um, yes. we can say they're smarter, but they take the lead and they know figure things quickly while others feel, you know, I mean, they're done. Some groups they done in like a couple of minutes, they were able to do everything. So you have to ensure when you group the students that each and every student is really participating by dividing somehow. And I usually have sometimes a lead, sometimes I don't. For the group, it depends, but I give them clear expectations, like, and how to give turns and about teamwork. Then also, yeah, so it will be purposeful. And after that, uh, as she said, Ms. Tamini, that we definitely sh- uh, share each group. And I ask each one of the group members, not only want to share, like oh, each one will take part to represent their work.
0: Perfect, perfect. Uh, may,
2: okay.
6: I, may I say something? Sure. One, one more. Oh, okay. uh, yes, uh, yes, Sister May, I agree with you. Uh, and have, I have something to add. Uh, every student is to uh, participate and uh, in, uh, get enjoyable, yeah. Uh, if you don't feel excited or enjoy with the group or with the topic, which is the or the way, uh, uh, which is the issue to do, uh, maybe he doesn't give um, uh, uh, proper enge- engagement.
9: Yes, this
4: is what I see. Yes. Brother,
9: can I add something that I find in the middle school, Mm -hmm. it's really important, is that um, accountability and having um, some kind of, um, I don't know, some way for each person to represent what they did, whether it be on paper or however, like you have to define that, you know, that you're going to do the group work, but it needs to be clearly defined as to how each one will be accountable as well. Because if you don't have that, then you know someone always ends up doing most of the work. Yep, so. Yep,
0: yep, yep, For all fair points, uh, excellent, excellent uh, contributions. Um, so let's see, let's see here. Um, you will see that a lot of things right. that you've already said yes. that will be repeated. Um, again, just like with structure and pacing, the grouping of students has to be deliberate and has to be meaningful so we're not just grouping students just for the sake of grouping them right who are you grouping them with how large are the groups that you're choosing are you, charging, are you choosing you know you know is breaking this the uh, the uh, class into halves are you breaking them into quarters or breaking them into thirds you know are you breaking them into groups of 3 4 pair work right so it has to be deliberate has to be meaningful and it has to be um you know something that is commensurate with the activity itself, right? It doesn't really make sense in some cases to um, make groups for some certain activities where it's really uh, designed for an individual, right? So you also have to, it has to be meaningful group work. Uh, you have to plan accordingly, the number of students, the timing, things like this. And as some of you mentioned, it could be very structured. So you can have a group where everyone is autonomous, right? So everybody comes to the group and everybody sort of puts their input with no um, sort of lead being taken. Then they all share, you know, their thoughts. Or you can, you know, appoint a group leader, and then that, you know, group leader is responsible for reporting back to the class. Or, you know, you can alternate those things. There are many different ways to group. Um, so that's the, that's what it looks like, or that's what it is. And what it looks like, again, you have to choose the right activities for group work. So some activities are not designed for group work. So you have to you have to make sure that you um, have chosen. The right task uh, that will maximize the group work. You have to know. You have to know your class well. So I, I heard a lot of people speaking about um, how they would uh, pair sort of weaker students with stronger students, um, you know, and things like that. And that the younger students learn a lot more from the older students and things like this, which is excellent. Uh, that means that you're very uh, in, de- in tune with your class. It's very important for you to know all the strengths and weaknesses of all the students in your class so that you can group them accordingly. Uh, once you know that, then again, that's how you can be deliberate and, and make sure that you're putting uh, you know, everybody in their place masterfully. Um, again, you, sh- you can <clears throat> one strategy is to pair stronger students with weaker ones. And then also you wanna make sure again, that you are determining the, appro- the activities appropriateness in terms of level, right? So you don't wanna make, y- y- if you have a stronger and weaker student together, you don't want to make an activity where the stronger student will get it and the weaker student will not be able to, you know, they won't be able to, um, uh, they won't be able to get it, right? So you have to t- determine the, the level of the activity uh, when you have different levels of students um, coming together to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't have, uh, we don't have time to discuss this but we'll just go into it um, before we get into. So, so we've talked now. We've talked about all the different areas of uh, 3C. So we talked about how do we um, how do we access uh, instructional materials, right, um, for engagement. <clears throat> then we talked about um, uh, what do we talk about? We talked about after instruction. talked about what was the second one. Uh, activities yes yeah, so activities and assignments so you have and i did this purposely right so you have uh, you know a, a huge pool of resources to to turn from what kind of resources should you be looking at to engage great so now you have those resources how does that look you know how is that going to look on a day to day level in the actual lesson so what activities do you use right and then um, once you have those activities how are you structuring them how are you structuring the lesson around those activities that should be purposeful and meaningful, and then in the class itself, how were you uh, grouping the students and getting them to, for you know, to work collaboratively to uh, enhance their active learning? Um, there was one slide that I skipped, but I'm going to go back to it. Uh, it's important to know that there are key indicators, and I got this from the internet again. I have these resources at the end of the presentation. Um, um, So yeah, uh, the key indicators, activities are aligned with the goals of the lesson. So this is sort of a comprehensive look at all the things we just talked about. So activities are aligned with the goals. Um, You are measuring student enthusiasm, interests, thinking, and problem solving. Uh, There are learning tasks that require high level student thinking and align with lesson objectives. Students are highly motivated to work. Students are actively working rather than watching while the teacher works and there's a suitable pacing of the lesson, neither neither dragged nor rushed with time for closure and student reflection. So this is sort of a comprehensive list of all the key indicators of a successful uh, uh, in, in engaging classroom. Um, now we're going to go to the, yeah. So the la- the, the last part of the, Presentation was dedicated to quality assurance, so we were going to sort of discuss. So, if you have uh, endeavored to create this engaging environment, how would you know that it's engaging? What are the cert, you know, what what could you do to measure that? Right, because you can't just say we're doing it. What does it look like? Like I, there has to be some sort of indication. Um, and there are a number of different ways, right? There's various tools uh, to assure active learning is taking place. Uh, you have comprehension checks, which a lot of you have mentioned this. You, you ask students, um, you know, not yes, no questions. You ask them, you know, sort of uh, comprehensive questions to see do they can they produce, the, you know, the, the correct answer or the correct understanding based on what it is that has been taught. Right? So you do comprehension checks. That is a good way to see if, you know, a, a student or students or the class is actively learning. Um, you can monitor student performance in general. Right, so you can see again, you know, student to student, in general, in the class, how do they do on assessments? Um, that can be an indication of uh, how active learning is taking place, and just your general vibe of the class in general. Right, uh, you can observe the class vigilantly. So again, some of us mentioned in group work sessions, you want to make sure that everyone is participating, um, and and you know contributing. And, and being active and engaging. So again, you can't do that if you're sitting in front of the class, you know, not necessarily, you know, um, circulating and things like that. So you have to observe the class vigilantly. Then there's observations. There are probably official observations that will come from an administrative standpoint, where they, um, you know, come in and check and make sure that, um, you know, that certain criteria are being met when it comes to active learning. There might be rubrics. So with an observation or um, you know, maybe for a course or something like that it might be a specific rubric that details okay and to do active learning it looks like this you know certain levels i'm going to actually take a quick look at that before we before we leave there might be daily checklists so you might have to um, you might have to check off certain things that i do this that i do this that i do this and hopefully, if you did these things, then you can say that you uh, have promoted an active classroom, active learning classroom, and then also just daily personal reflection. I remember earlier in my uh, teaching career, I used to have a a journal where I would, you know, after every lesson, I would, um, you know, write to myself what, what what I thought went well in the class and what I thought didn't didn't go well, and so that might be the time to, um, you know, sort of focus on, you know, what aspects of the lesson. You know, were active enough or weren't active enough, and if they were not, then why and how could you improve that a little later on? Um, this we don't have time to get into, but I will send it to uh, Brother Imran and Sister Aisha, and you can look at it in, in detail. But here, here is an example of a rubric, right? That shows the different types of uh, active learning classrooms from developing and then effective and then highly effective. And you'll notice in the language again, we don't have time to go through it, but you'll notice in the language. Um, they are talking about you know, different tasks that are being used uh, in the class, um, the student's intellectual engagement, um, student's choice and agency in preparing materials or contributing to materials, um, the different grouping uh, strategies that are used so and pacing. So take a look at this when you get a chance. Um, and then you know, if you have any questions about our comments, you can feel free to email me. Um, again, here's another uh, sort of rubric. Um, Um, that details the understanding of levels of performance of an engaging class. This is uh, sort of just the the basic one. And this one really highlights the language that's used. So you can look at the things that you would need to uh, highlight and focus on. All right. And so in summary, so again, really, that's pretty much the, the discussion of that, of quality assurance, and then looking through rubrics, that's pretty much the only part of the workshop that we've had to uh, sort of uh, run over, but you will have access to the presentation. You can look at it at your own leisure. In summary, Daniel's framework 3C includes, that should be four uh, core components, not three, sorry. Oh, so materials and resources. Actually, let me change that right now. Yeah, so it should be, um, so it incorporates four core components, which is materials and resources activities and assignments, structure and pacing, grouping of students. Always be cognizant of your classroom energy as well as cognizant of the learners. You know, where are the learners? How are they engaged in the class? Always try to be uh, mindful of that because ultimately, you know, you're invested in active learning because of the fact that it yields long-term positive outcomes beyond your class, right? When students are used to uh, actively learning and engaging, then that's something that they carry with them for a lifetime. And you guys are at the, you know, at, the, at a very critical stage in their life where they're forming their learning identity, uh, their learning interests and things like that. So it's very critical that you equip them with the tools to be active learners. Um, yeah, and you should always be promoting ways in which students can engage themselves and engage others. So that is it. We have literally two minutes. Um, here are references that I have put in the, um, uh, at the end of the presentation that you can go to for uh, sort of more information. There's a lot of PDFs and things like that, presentations.